Evening, well done the tech people. The rest of us, we, we look round and we see what they're doing and they have been stretched this last year and a half, haven't they? But they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, really good to be with you. Uh, I have an office in church and on Friday, uh, when I was leaving to go home, I, I took everything with me that I would need for coming tonight, just so that I would have everything and I wouldn't forget it and I'd be organised because I'm a very organised person. So my Bible, my notes, uh, a book that I want to reference and my glasses. And uh, just as I sat down there, uh, ordinarily what I do is I leave my glasses case there and I bring glasses with me. So I went to do that and I looked inside and there's no glasses in there. So not quite so well organized. These are very focal glasses. Uh, it's the only time I ever use them so that you know, I can look down and see my notes and then look up and see the lovely people. And I think what happened is I was looking over these notes this afternoon and I set them on the arm of the chair. So that's where they are. So my notes are fine because I do them quite big ordinarily, but I might struggle somewhat uh, when I'm wanting to read something from this book and the Bible. So if you see me doing this at those points, you'll know it's because I can't see anything and I need to get far away from it. Anyway, that's the way it is. Uh, you, like, uh, are they we sort of... I they might do the job, Ivan. Let me see. They'll probably look much better on me than you as well, which would be a wee sort of... Let me see. <laughs> Yeah, they, they might just be the job. I'll just let them there for when, I, for when I need them. Thank you very much. That was kind of you. I also left my wallet with 50 pounds. <laughs> it's, uh, you might, like we, we've had, uh, our door bell has rang and the, the door has knocked a lot over the last day or two. And uh, we've opened the door and lots of little children standing on the doorstep, all dressed up elaborately and quite frighteningly as well. And I'll be honest with you, I do begrudge somewhat giving children sweets and what have you now, because when I was a child, and you might remember this, we would have, you know, maybe just a, a jacket with a hood up, but would have had a false face on. And we went to houses at this time of the year, we, we sang. Remember, we used, we used to sing a song, at least we earned what we got. Now they just go and stand, <laughs> stand there like this, or hold a wee pot out. Uh, trick or treat or whatever and I was saying to one of the kids in church that I would love to dress up and then when the door opened I would love to shout out at them trick or treat anyway that's another reason. but so we've had lots of kids uh, over the last day or two now listen don't misunderstand me I, I just want to make one comment I, I'm no killjoy uh, and I, I don't want to criticize anybody or make anybody feel uncomfortable I am a bit uncomfortable uh, if I'm honest with with some aspects of Halloween, fine. With other aspects that are quite dark and sinister, I just think we need to be careful uh, that we don't embrace this festival <laughs> uh, and everything that goes with it. Because if you do look, probably not too far beneath the surface of it, it's very dark, very dangerous, very, very sinister. That, that's it. <laughs> but what, what I do want to do, and quite often at this time of the year when I see all this stuff, uh, I, I think about what I want to think about tonight, which John has already introduced to us actually through that song. Uh, that was a great wee song. And it's one aspect of that. And it's about light. I want to think about light tonight. And a lot of places at this time of the year, rather than have Halloween parties, will have light parties and what have you. And I like that idea. Uh, so I want to think about and focus on light. And this is very obvious, but light has two primary focuses or two uh, primary functions. Uh, one is to sort of show the way and the other is to expose stuff that's hidden so two basic among many others but those are the basics to sort of show the way to, to show things that are there and to expose things that are hidden and I want to think about those two aspects of light a couple of years ago uh, Heidi and I went on a 10-day Mediterranean cruise 
uh, with the girls and with Heidi's parents. Now, some of you might sort of balk at the idea of heading away with your in-laws for 10 days, but whenever they told us about it, for me, it was a very quick decision process because it's a big ship, so you can just go and hide somewhere, which is fine. <laughs> but the other factor, which made me decide very quickly, is because it was my mother-in-law's 70th birthday, they wanted to pay for it. So I thought, well, yeah, okay, I'm, on, I'm in with that. <laughs> so anyway, we went on this cruise, and one of the ports of call was Dubrovnik. Some of you, some of you will have been there. It's just stunning. Uh, too many people there, but stunningly beautiful. And once I got over the initial shock of how much it cost to walk around the walls of the city, it was a really, really great day. Uh, sun baking down, beautiful Mediterranean weather, the old town in Dubrovnik, some of you will have been there. It's just stunning, it's beautiful. And walking around the sort of old walls of the city, it was just, it was fantastic. Really, really, really great. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus made one of the seven declarations that he made in the Gospel of John, preceded with the two words, I am, once behind me here, resurrection and the life. And John chapter 8, verse 12, and this is what I want to think about tonight. He said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And when Jesus spoke these words, and sometimes it's, it's important to think of the context and, and what was happening, what was going on around whenever Jesus chose to spoke these, speak these words. Because when you read the Gospels, it's, it's fascinating actually. Jesus chose his words carefully to speak to a particular audience or an individual or into a particular time or culture. And when Jesus spoke these words, he was in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles. And three times a year, Jewish pilgrims would go up to Jerusalem to celebrate different festivals that they had as a nation. So there was Passover, which is celebrating deliverance from Egypt. So part of that festival, whenever they were in Egypt, they had to take a lamb and then they had to kill it. They had to roast the lamb, eat the, uh, the lamb with herbs. They had to have flat bread. And then, of course, on that night, uh, God sent the angel to Egypt and the nation of Egypt or the nation of Israel, were rescued out of Egypt. So they would celebrate that every year, Passover, thanking God for his rescue, for his deliverance from captivity. And then there was the Feast of Weeks, which celebrated the harvest season. And we've just done that, of course, here over the last couple of weeks, giving thanks to God for his provision, and also celebrating God giving the law to them. And then thirdly, which is the occasion now when Jesus is in Jerusalem, the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkoth, And that was celebrating God's provision for them when they were in the wilderness. So they leave Egypt, and before eventually, many years later, they arrive in this promised land, they wandered around in the wilderness, but God provided for them. And during this Feast of Tabernacles, because they would have lived in these wee tabernacles houses, Jesus arrives into Jerusalem. So in your mind's eye, if you've been to Dubrovnik or any of these big Mediterranean cities, Picture that in your mind, because recently when I started to think about this, that's what came into my head. I was thinking about Dubrovnik and Croatia, all these people packed in, sun baking down, people sort of crammed in, rubbing shoulders with one another. And in Jerusalem, the city would have been packed with people, pilgrims coming to celebrate this festival and this feast. And Jesus is in the temple courts, specifically standing in the temple of women, and he's, he's speaking to the people. He's talking, he's interacting with the people. 
The place is packed with thousands of pilgrims who have come to celebrate. And at the end of the first day of the festival, the temple was lit up with these huge big candelabras that were in each corner. They were, there were four of them, 50 cubits high. A, a cubit is somewhere between 18 and 22 inches. So they're about 75 feet tall. That is impressive. I don't know what height that, that would be, what, 50 feet, would it? The roof there, middle of the roof, somewhere around there. So you can imagine an, another third on top of that, thereabouts. And each of them had four branches on them. So these big candelabras had stood 75 feet high, each with four branches on them, huge big structures. And at each of, their, of those branches was a huge big bowl. And into the bowl, there would be oil. And the young men would climb up, fill it with oil, and then they would be lit. So you can imagine the scene, this light blazing into the courts. And then for everyone, for miles around, they would see the light from the city on top of the hill. And in the midst of this scene, Jesus stands in the temple courts with all these people and he makes this declaration, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, I am a light for the world. Or he doesn't say, I am a light for Jerusalem. Or I'm a, I'm a light for the nation of Israel. Jesus, as he always did, chooses his words carefully. He says, I am the light of the world for every nation, for every person, for every individual. And the Jewish leaders that were there hearing this man at this festival making this declaration, I wonder how they reacted to it. What was the response? They knew their scriptures well. They studied them. Uh, they knew them off by heart, actually. And the scriptures promised that one day Messiah would come. And one of those prophecies in the book of Isaiah, so Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 to 3 says this, Arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, the darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you. His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings. To the brightness of your dawn. That's a messianic promise. The Bible's full of them. There's many, many promises that one day a Messiah would come, a rescuer would come. And they knew it well, and the Jewish leaders knew it well. And as a nation, they were waiting for the arrival of Messiah. And whenever Jesus stood in the temple courts and said he was the light of the world, it was prefixed by those two words, I am. And that was Jesus saying, it's me, I am God in the flesh. And he wasn't alluding to it. He was unequivocally saying, I am Messiah, I'm the promised one, I'm God. I'm God who has come as man to rescue the world, to be a light, the light of the world. And what was the response? Well, it says they immediately challenged him. You read that in John chapter eight. They immediately challenged him after he made this declaration of being the light of the world. And earlier in John's Gospel, chapter 5, whenever Jesus had healed someone, he's at another feast, Feast of Weeks, and there's a man lying beside the pool, a pitiful. For years he had been there. Jesus heals the man. The man gets up, lifts his mat, walks, and that should have been a point of great celebration because this man's life had been miserable and now he's been set free. And I imagine him running, jumping, skipping out of the temple courts. 
And in the midst of this feast, remembering and celebrating God's provision and giving thanks to God, what is the Jewish leader's response whenever Jesus heals this man? They challenge him because he healed him on the Sabbath. And here when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, they challenge him. Immediately they challenge him. And when you read through the New Testament and the life of Jesus and his interaction with the Pharisees, time and time again, they, they miss the picture. They're searching for Messiah and they miss the reality of him standing right in front of them. They're more interested in petty, man-made, tick-box religion than in Messiah, the light of the world, who stood right there. And right in front of their eyes, he stood there and he made this declaration and they completely missed it. I'm the light of the world. With all this light in the backdrop shining in, he makes this declaration, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And they missed it. Let me read you a couple of paragraphs from this book. I think I mentioned this before. If you watch uh, Dragon's Den, you'll recognize this guy, Duncan Ballantyne. He's one of the, I think he's been on since the beginning of the program. I'm not sure, if, well, he's not on it now, I don't think. But this is a, a, an autobiography. I quite like Dragon's Den. And uh, when I saw this in a bookshop somewhere, I thought that'd be quite interesting to read a wee bit of his life. And he, he's involved in some humanitarian work. And he was in Romania. And he describes an experience where he was just overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed by what he saw. So he went, got offside, got out of the way. And this is his experience. I went outside, found a quiet place at the side of the house. I couldn't stop the tears. My face was wet. My nose began to run. I was just a complete mess. I had no choice to let, but to let the tears flow. And they just kept pouring out and they wouldn't stop. After many minutes, I began to get the feeling that I wasn't alone. And this is how he describes the experience. It was there and then God said, hello. I felt I'd been consumed by this presence that something had completely shrouded and taken hold of me. It was unmistakable. I knew who had come. I also knew why. It wasn't a spiritual thing. It was a Christian thing. And I felt I was being told, you've arrived, join the faith, become a Christian. This is it. It was profound. And I stood there stunned considering the offer and thinking about what it would mean. That's an interesting statement that he made there. Considering the offer, but thinking about what it would mean. I knew I wanted to keep on building up my businesses. I wanted to keep making money. I also knew I wanted to carry on doing the things I wasn't proud of. I knew I was never going to be this totally Christian guy going to church on Sundays. So I said, no, I'm not ready. And God said, okay, and disappeared. I shudder uh, when I read that. Because there's a man who had a very clear experience of the presence of God and he chose to ignore it to, to challenge it and to decide you know what actually I prefer to do this than to follow him that's exactly what happened in John chapter 8 they said we prefer to have this authority over these people we prefer to follow this way we prefer to follow do this thing rather than follow him and sadly for generations people have been doing the same thing me included, before my eyes were opened and I got to respond to the reality of who Christ was. Sadly, some people think the only light worth seeking is the limelight. Or the only light worth seeking is what lights the path for your particular choice or your decisions or what you want to do. And for many of the people crammed into Jerusalem for this festival, many of them would have been there three times a year for various festivals as well. And I wonder if for some of them it was a bit of a spiritual pick-me-up. 
You know, they went through the year, they did what they wanted, then they went to Jerusalem and they celebrated and they gave thanks and they, they focused on God and then they went away and they just got on with their own life, did their own thing and then, then they were back for the next festival and again it was, it was like a bit of a spiritual pick-me-up. Whenever Jesus stood in those courts and said, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life, he didn't offer that. He didn't offer something that would make you feel good for a wee while. He didn't offer something that would cause you to follow and your life be slightly better or free from difficulty. It wasn't a spiritual pick-me-up. It was a complete radical change of life and focus and direction and future and purpose. That's what he came to offer. Life to the full. If anyone is thirsty, drink. He offered complete satisfaction. I am the bread of life. That's what Jesus offered. And that's what he still offers. And when, Jesus, or sorry, when God rescued the people from Egypt, the nation spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness because they chose to go their own way and ignore God's way. I'm always staggered that from Egypt to the promised land is a journey that should have taken not much over a week, yet it took them 40 years to get there. It's staggering. And they saw so many of the older generation die out because they didn't believe. And God said, well, I'll just wait until you're ready, until the younger generation. And then at the appointed time, he led them into this land. And I find it heartbreaking whenever I see so many people wandering around, as John said, searching. And do you know what? And this is not arrogance. This is the truth of the word of God. The reality of what you're looking for is in Christ, the relationship with him. Simple. And his light as it shines into your heart and exposes the wrongdoing, the sin, the rebellion, the bitterness, the greed, all that stuff that's in there. And as it shines in front of you to direct the path so that you can follow him, trust him, live for him. And God in his grace led the nation of Israel for 40 years by what? During the night, a pillar of fire by his light. And longs to live us or lead us as we follow him. And as they celebrated this period in their history during the Feast of Tabernacles, the Messiah, the Son of God, stands and says, I am the light, follow me. I think it's wonderful. What a declaration. Imagine being there and hearing that, the very Son of God offering this. And I am so glad that I heard his voice in my life as a wee boy of 10 and responded to him and followed him. Jesus is the light of truth to dispel the darkness of falsehood and lies. Jesus is the light of wisdom to dispel the darkness of ignorance. Jesus is the light of holiness to dispel the darkness of impurity. Jesus is the light of joy to dispel the darkness of sorrow. Jesus is the light of life to dispel the darkness of death. And in one of the darkest days in all of human history, as these men who chose to confront Jesus and ignore him, contrived and had him put to death on a cross and buried in a tomb, one of the darkest days in all of human history, Praise God, the light shone again, the light blazed again as he rose. And he lives today and longs to live in our hearts. And the glorious light blazed. And from that point has blazed to this day and will continue to. And I pray will shine into your hearts. And that you would find his light 
and that you would stop your search and see the one who came and loved you and died for you. There's a, an old hymn, 1738, by Charles Wesley. And he wrote it after, shortly after his conversion to experience his, experience his conversion experience. What a contrast to what Duncan Ballantyne said about having this experience and choosing to ignore it. And Charles Wesley having this experience. And there's one verse in particular. says, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon feel, uh, uh, flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. That's the reality of following Christ, of allowing his light to shine into your heart and then allowing him to lead and guide you every day. I'm not perfect. Believe me, I know it well, and the people that I love and are closest to me know it well and remind me of it often. I'm not perfect. But I seek to follow him. I seek to live for him. I'll mess up, I'll fail. And he's gracious to me and I'm grateful for that. But I do not know what I would do if I didn't have him to follow. I'd be scrabbling around in the dark trying to figure out life and difficulty and problem. And, and he doesn't offer freedom from all those things. But with him beside us, we have the reality of a God who loves us. And we may never understand things that happen, but we can trust him, we can lean on him. We can have him in our hearts and we can have him in our lives. And my commendation to you would be, if you haven't already, would be to think about the light, the glorious light. Allow it to shine into your heart and expose your wrongdoing. Come to him tonight. Surrender your heart to him. Start following him. And for those of us who do, let's not just make it an occasional experience and an occasional time to celebrate and give thanks. Let's make it a daily walk and a daily expression of praise for the one who has radically changed our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that wonderful declaration that your son made. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And we thank you, Lord, for those of us who know that. And we don't say arrogantly that we know better or that we are any better. We just say on the truth of the Bible that we've trusted you and we believe that you, Father, have answered us and forgiven us and redeemed us and lead and guide us. And we just want to return our thanks to you for that. And we pray that anyone here tonight or anyone watching this message, whenever they do, who doesn't know that, would allow your light to shine into their very heart and into their mind. Give them clarity of thought. Give them courage to follow you, respond to you in repentance and salvation and to follow you every day. And God, we thank you that you are a God who leads and guides and directs. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you allowed your light to be put out momentarily so that it could shine again after you had redeemed us and paid for our sins. And we just return our thanks to you for that in your own precious and worthy and holy name. Amen.